0: So, Larry asks a question about the personality of Gog. Gog is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 as the leader of Magog. Magog means land of Gog, and Gog means mountain. And so, there's not much really that we can uh, surmise beyond that about uh, the person that is in view there as as Gog, uh, over the land of Magog. Uh, there's also mention in Revelation chapter 20, I'd like to look at these passages now. Um, you know, this is, uh, I, I like to say, this is probably familiar ground to uh, to many who are in, uh, interested in prophecy. But for those who are maybe new to this and aren't as familiar, I'd like to at least point out the passages so people can go and read. Now, Gog and Magog are mentioned throughout chapters 38 and 39 of Ezekiel, but I'm going to just... Um, read the first handful of verses from chapter 38, just to give us kind of a starting point for our discussion today. Uh, The word of the Lord came... By the way, I'm I'm in my car, and I I forgot to bring a Bible out of the house that I would normally use. I have an ESV sitting here, so that's what I'm reading out of today, in case you're wondering. Uh, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Gog in the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with sh- uh, buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia with shields and uh, shield and helmet, um, uh, Gomer and all his hordes, Beth to Garma from the uttermost parts of the north, with all his hordes, many peoples are with you. And uh, so there are, there's mention of this idea of God putting... Hooks into the jaws of Gog, pulling him down along with the hordes that are with him, uh, including a number of nations that are mentioned here. Now, some of the nations mentioned are not terribly hard to understand who they are, like Persia, for example, we know speaks of Iran, and then I believe into parts of Iraq. Uh, on today's map and that. but you, know, you can look at this table of nations mentioned here and you can go all the way back to the table of nations in uh, uh, or the reference to the nations here in Ezekiel 38 and you can go back to the table of nations in Genesis 10 and you can see that these are the sons of, of Shem, Ham and Japheth, three sons of Noah who came down from Mount Ararat and began to populate the earth from that point. And so, You can get a sense of where they situated and where they situated gives us an idea of who's in view today in those lands or at least ethnically. We can follow the train of where they started and and where they may have ended up ultimately and get a sense of who may be in view in these nations. Matter of fact, if you do any study of the um, nations of Genesis uh, chapter 10, uh, and you try to sort of cross it with Ezekiel 38 or other places where nations are mentioned, uh, you'll usually have a few different opinions on a couple of the nations that are in view. Again, some are very clear. Others, uh, maybe less so, but we can get at least a general idea of who may be in view. Another reason why, when we talk about eschatology, we do so with a, with a real strong, uh, you know, humility that we want to bring to it, because there there are things that we'd like to feel very, very certain about, that we can't always be. And so we do our best with what we have, and we want to be careful not to go far beyond where the scriptures uh, leave off. We don't want to try and fill in blanks that the scripture doesn't, and then act as though we are absolutely certain when we may not be. Again, some, some of the nations here are not hard to understand who they are, but others leave a little bit of uh, question. And of course, uh, in regard to our discussion today, uh, the mention of Gog and Magog is not without its uh, it's, uh, it's questions, it's debates, it's points of interest, and, and, and frankly I find this a fascinating topic to look into. Um, years and years and years ago, uh, when I first began to kind of look into this and I became interested in, in eschatology, um, I was very, very certain who was in view here. And I still hold the same view that I did then, but I'm much more open to the possibility that somebody else may be in view here. And so I'd like to talk about that today in response to Larry's question. Uh, Part of, uh, did I mention Larry asked this question? Uh, Larry asked the question about what we can learn about the personality of Gog. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, he goes on to ask, is Putin who's in view when we look at Gog? And uh, the question there really is if these events in Ezekiel 38 and 39 took place today and Magog would speak of Russia, which is by and large often uh, who's in view in uh, in, in 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 understanding who this is, If it is, then Gog would be the leader of Magog, and in our understanding today, that would very likely then speak of Putin. So, um, uh, and I I like to point that out, by the way, oftentimes when I speak of this passage, I do say that very thing, uh, in part because I want there to be a poignant sense of the reality of the things that we read about here. They will come to pass one day. I do believe this passage is still future-looking even in our day, and therefore, when it comes to pass, the general presumption is, and this is what we're going to get into today is that these nations are in fact literal nations that are referred to, and the leader uh, of, of this one particular nation Magog, referred to as Gog would therefore then be a nation and a person at its head um, so but therein again lies the question that we're going to address today or at least you know uh, give some food for thought as, as, uh, as I typically try to do. Um, Again, generally speaking, a widely held view uh, would be that because of the mention of Magog uh, and as a matter of fact in this passage, let me back up just for a second here, you'll notice here if you're reading out of, uh, as I typically am, a New King James or a King James uh, or some of the other English translations, you will have probably noticed a different reading in the opening verses of this where there's mention of Gog and Magog, uh, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Uh, another reading of that, and and, and the reading in uh, like the New King James, for example, would be uh, Gog and Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Uh, the word Rosh, or Ruse um, speaks of, um, uh, uh, of of a chief prince, and so therefore the question that arises out of the English translation from this uh, oftentimes is 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 uh, uh, is uh, Roche speaking of a Uh, of an individual? Uh, Is it, it, um, or I should say a nation, not an individual, but is it speaking of a nation or is it part of the title chief prince? A lot has been made about the term Rus or Roche as being, uh, indicating Russia, because it sounds like Russia. Uh, Matter of fact, um, uh, uh, mention here of uh, Tubal uh, and Meshech, or Meshech and Tubal, uh, there has been uh, a bit made of the idea that Mishek would speak of Moscow and uh, and tu- uh, uh, and Tubal would speak of uh, Tublisk, I think it's pronounced in Russia major cities in Russia, Moscow nowadays the capital. Is that what's in view? Well, there is a problem with that and that is that we are, if we're in the West, we tend to assume that English words because of their either Greek or Latin um you know, origins. the etymology of those terms often leads us to think that because it sounds like a modern country today, in this particular instance, that therefore we should see it as that, or it gives additional credence to the idea that that's who it is. Rosh, or Rus, sounds like Russia. The problem with that is that there is some real debate as to whether there was any place like that in the ancient world, any place that had that name. Uh, the jury is still a little bit out on that one. As a matter of fact, if you listen to Michael Heisner on this, he is absolutely adamant that there was no such place as Rus or Roche uh as a as a nation in that time. You will see it on maps though, and I think there is probably some reason why that that is. There's probably some connection to an actual place here uh, that may have uh may have been known as that, and as it turns out, is now inhabited by a place, uh Russia, whose name sounds like that. Uh I would never say coincidentally per se, but um, you know, it may just very well be that that's the case there's some question is all I'm trying to say about that meshek um, is not really in fairness intended to convey the idea of Moscow in fact meshek does have roots that that place it elsewhere outside of Russia uh, as does um, as does tubal and so we want to be a little careful if we point to that as evidence for it being Russia however I will say though that um, uh, that these terms that are used here uh, do, in fact, have connection with the Scythians. There, there's a couple of schools of thought in this as well. One is that this area that's being spoken of, Meshach and Tubal, actually refers to an area that's more Middle Eastern than it is Russian. Uh, and so that aids to the theory, uh, the other theory, that, uh, the other main theory, that who's in view here as the leader of these hordes coming against Israel is not Russia, but actually Turkey. And a pretty good argument, uh, case and argument can be made for that. Like I said, I was very, very sure it was one thing, and I still hold that view, that being that it's Russia that's in view. I'll finish this thought in a second. But I'm much more open to the possibility that it may actually be referring to a different nation. It's also another possibility that we'll come to in just a moment. Let me finish this thought first. Um, again, another connection with the, these place names does connect with the Scythians who settled in the Caucasus Mountains. Caucasus Mountains, am I pronounced that right? Uh, also around the, the Caspian Sea. Uh, and that, in other words, areas that are kind of around the south, southern part of Russia, uh, or at least closer to that area. And so there is in connection with that the possibility that again who's in view here is Russia. I think the mention of the uttermost parts of the North also lends credence to the idea that it may be speaking in fact of Russia. Uh, uh, and so, so again the, the, there is room for debate about this. Uh, I may uh, hold my view on that but again I'm, I'm able to understand where another perspective on this may come from. Uh, and so when we watch the news in regard to Ezekiel 38 and 39 we want to be watching in my view uh, Russia and Putin, and I would also say, you know, Turkey and uh, and Erdogan. So, um, just to kind of broaden your horizons a little bit in terms of who to keep an eye on. Um, and so, that being said, those are two of the views that sort of fall into one area of understanding this passage. And that area would be the fact that this would be, or the idea that this would be speaking about a literal country, and therefore a literal premier or president or leader of some kind, prime minister or something to that effect. Uh, so yes, if this is in fact speaking of Russia, and it's taking place in our day, then if, it, if that were the case, this would be speaking of Russia and Putin, or it could be potentially speaking of Turkey and Erdogan. So that's one way to look at this, and really the way that I would tend to look at it. But again, just to broaden our horizons a little more, there is another thing to consider. And that is, uh, matter of fact, um, I don't know, four or five months ago, maybe, maybe six months ago, someone else asked a question about God. Is it a spiritual entity or a literal person? And so we answered the question on that level then. Um, and I want to sort of um, speak to that again here because I think there's a fair possibility uh, that what may be in view here is, in fact, uh, no less literally, albeit maybe spiritually and behind the scenes, certainly. Uh, if nothing else, um, that there is certainly a spiritual a possibility of this referring to a spiritual entity. Um, the concept of uh, principalities and powers, spoken of by Paul in Ephesians 6, uh, uh, insights into which can be found in Daniel when uh, Gabriel is sent with uh, to Daniel with a, uh, a message and an answer to Daniel's prayer. Uh, Michael comes to Gabriel's aid as as Gabriel finds himself being resisted by the uh, Prince of Persia. And so um, uh, Jesus, of course, dealt with um, uh, demonic entities that would manifest uh, through demon possession and that kind of thing. Uh, but there's so the idea of a, a spiritual war and demonic activity behind the scenes uh, should not surprise us. It should certainly give us pause, but it certainly should not surprise us that this exists. Um, it certainly did then, and we should not think that somehow it just stopped now. Um, I, would, I would argue that, that much of the same kind of activity behind the scenes still takes place in various quarters of the world. As a matter of fact, if Satan is in fact the god of this world, that will one day fall under the full uh, control of, 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 uh, of, of, the, of uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Christ Jesus, as we see in Revelation 11 15 and such. Um, we know that he does have sway and influence even today. One day that will come to a complete and total end. But for now, uh, uh, he does still have uh, uh, tremendous influence. Um, so anyway, that idea should not surprise us. Is Gog and Magog speaking of uh, a potentially, uh, speaking of a spiritual entity, a demonic entity, and would Gog therefore speak of that same one of those places we were just talking about, Russia or Turkey, or may it just be speaking more broadly uh, to the influence, the area that this entity has influence over. We know that if it is in fact a demonic entity, it does have influence, and I think that helps us connect the dots between this passage and Revelation chapter twenty, verse six, where it's uh, where the reference is to uh, a time after the millennium. Where Satan gathers up hordes from around the the world, uh, the, all the people that were born during the millennium that did not come to uh, bend the knee to Christ, uh, who's ruling and reigning literally, physically in that time, um, uh, there is um, uh, there is mention of Gog and Magog in that scenario. Well, that that has to mean one one of a few things. It can speak of uh, the first option being that. Ezekiel 38 and 39 doesn't happen uh, before the millennium but actually happens after the millennium and what's described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 would then therefore um, uh, be what's referenced in uh, Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 6 when Satan is released and he brings Gog and Magog together and they're mentioned there among the nations that are brought together. Uh, I don't personally hold that view. I do think that the description and the amount of time involved in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario kind of removes it from the realm of, of happening after the millennium. But I, I, I do know that there is an argument to be made for it coming after the millennium. I, again, I don't hold that view, but there are those who do. Um, another possibility is that the same Gog and Magog, nationally speaking, and its leader, um, uh, or at least nationally, maybe even its leader, um, uh, who are referenced in Ezekiel 30 and 39 prior to the millennium, also find a place of prominence and influence after the millennium in this final rebellion against Christ and the saints of Jerusalem. Now, there, there is a possibility of that, because after all, what's he doing before the millennium? Uh, he is leading a band of nations against Jerusalem. So, that's another possibility. The, the third possibility, and this kind of connects to where we were going right before we took this little detour, is that Gog is in fact a demonic entity that has influence over parts of the world, including, after the Millennial Kingdom, uh, all of those, uh, or at least in, in part, those people that come against Christ and the saints in Jerusalem at that time. So it may very well be that Gog, in fact, is referring to a spiritual entity. Now, another thing I'll add to that discussion that kind of opens it up a little bit um, is that, uh, and this, this comes primarily from Michael Heiser and uh, Heiser, and I, uh, I want to put it in here because I think that there is an interesting... Uh, element here to consider. Um, And that is that, uh, in Judaism, that the idea of the area of the north was ruled over by uh, Baal. And so the idea here of Ezekiel's mentioning of the farthest reaches of the north, the uttermost parts of the north, may be speaking of an area that is sort of ruled over by this demonic entity. Uh, this god, little g, uh, named Baal, who would then therefore be referred to as Gog in this prophecy. Um, and, and, and so it may very well be that, that that's an additional uh, 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 weight added to the idea that Ezekiel is referring to and, and John in Revelation 20 would then therefore be referring to as a spiritual entity maybe predominantly. Now, whether or not that's true, and I don't know if it's true. Um, I am still kind of in the process of looking through some of that history and, uh, and, and, and making sure that I understand what it is that he was talking about, that Michael Heiser was talking about. Um, but I do think that if all that, in fact, squares out, checks out, and uh, th- then, then there might be something to that. Even if that, even if that understanding isn't the case there's still really no reason not to think that even if Gog is a literal physical person like a Putin for example, overseeing a nation like Russia or Erdogan overseeing a nation like turkey and that 's who's in view that that 's not to say that there's not still demonic uh, influence behind the scenes there. I think there is, and I think we see evidences of that in our day even so uh, so there you go there's there 's kind of a again food for thought this isn't an area we can speak of with absolute certainty but i do think there's some interesting possibilities that all have enough credence to to make them worthy of our consideration um uh so i guess you know as far as the personality of gog and magog well um i would imagine the outward personality to anybody on earth who doesn't understand what's going on would likely uh, be a very kind and, and spiritual personality or something like that. But make no mistake, uh, that demonic entity or even that leader one day uh, will turn and, uh, and, and, and bring chaos or attempt to bring chaos against Israel uh, in, in that scenario. So let me encourage you in closing to read all of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, I know you, you may have comments and thoughts about some of the, what we talked about today. Uh, you can read uh, Michael Heiser's, um, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, not Reclaiming Hermone, but, um, oh, shoot, what is it? Anyway, uh, his, his book on Hermone. Uh, you can read Unseen Realm. Of course, you'll want to read the passages. Primarily, the Bible is always your primary source material. And, and we want to be careful, even in recommending reading alter- you know, uh, um, additional um, references. I want to make sure to put the caveat there. That we don't take any man's uh, word for what's going on in a realm that we don't see. We just look at that and consider and weigh it out in light of what Scripture does say, and we leave it there. You know, uh, the Bible is always our is always our primary and fi- source and final word. And so be be you know, be thoughtful as you read additional things. Again, whether it's Michael Heiser, whether it's any uh, commentaries for that matter on anything, whether I'm saying something, don't just take it at face value. Don't just take it for granted. I should say, but rather look into these things yourselves and and uh, and be a Berean, be like Acts seventeen eleven. You know the uh, these folks in Berea, um, uh, these Jews in Berea were even more noble than those in Thessalonica. Uh, Luke tells us there, and in that they. Received what the apostle Paul said, and they received it with all readiness. But then they checked the scriptures to see whether these things were so. In other words, they didn't just take for granted that what Paul was saying was true. Well, I promise you that if if that's if that's if the Holy Spirit commends that with the apostle Paul, those who heard him uh, certainly the Holy Spirit would be directing you to check out what I'm saying and what any other one else on the topic would be saying. So. That being said, let that be uh, sort of the last word on this one for this post today. But thanks for watching and listening. And, Larry, thanks for the question. And uh, I do hope this gives uh, some uh, either food for thought or at least something to scratch our heads over a little bit. Uh, and if it, if it gets you to look into the Word a little more firmly, then, then praise the Lord. Good stuff. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for your grace and goodness. We thank you for your Word. And we do pray for a better understanding of what's going on in some of these passages uh, uh, that we read. Uh, Father, we help us to be content to um, to approach the passages humbly and not assume things are true <coughs> when we don't really know for sure whether they are but on the other side again help us to be humble to recognize that uh, our own understanding of some of the workings uh, working outs of, of these passages uh, may be different than maybe we grew grew up understanding and so we just want to be um, just aware of, of some of the possibilities in understanding these things but One thing is for certain, and that is that Jesus is coming. And uh, he's coming to take his bride home, but he's also coming to establish his kingdom. He will, in fact, answer the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, that uh, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we look very much forward to that day. Father, we just pray that you would uh, guide and bless by your Holy Spirit our study of your word. Help us to grow thereby. Help us to grow in our depth of knowledge of you. And your workings, your personality, your nature, um, uh, and all that you would have us know from your revelation of yourself in Scripture. And we pray that, uh, Father, we would walk with Jesus as a result, that, Lord, we would desire to know him better and walk with him in loving response to the grace that is uh, that has flowed from his offering for our sin and is uh, so freely lavished upon us. Uh, you are gracious, and we love you and praise you and thank you for this. So, Father, we love you. Again, we thank you. We praise you. And we just ask all this and lift all this up in Jesus' name.